Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamishop.com. That's the A-M-A-I-Shop.com for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I'll be having a fireside chat with three amazing young women from our region. Starting at home, well, my home, Trinidad and Tobago, meet Chantal LaRoche, a former high school classmate of mine who has a successful career as an attorney at law, educator, and entrepreneur. Her remarkable leadership skills and academic excellence have led to her current role as the Senior Legal Officer at the Office of the Parliament, where she provides advice to parliamentarians to support them in the performance of their duties. Chantal is also the founder of the brand, The CLR Code with a vision to inspire, develop, and empower young people in the areas of leadership, law, and lifestyle. Next up, Barbados. Meet Lani Daisley. Lani is an attorney at law admitted to practice in Barbados, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and Trinidad and Tobago. Lani, a partner at Moore Daisley, is a general practitioner working in the areas of civil litigation, commercial litigation, employment law, contract law, non-contentious probate, commercial law, criminal, conveyances, mortgages, just to name a few. Now to our final destination, St. Lucia, Dr. Janice Remy. Janice is the current director at the Caribbean's premier trade policy institution, the Sridath Ramphal Center, or SRC. The SRC is the home of the UE flagship program, the Masters in International Trade Policy at the Cave Hill Campus Barbados. Janice is an international trade lawyer who, over the course of her 20-year career, has advised governments and private stakeholders on international trade matters, with a focus on dispute settlement under the auspices of the World Trade Organization. She was recently named the Barbados Chair under the WTO's Chair Program and has served as a WTO panelist under the dispute settlement arm of the WTO. Get ready for some thought-provoking conversation. So, how exciting. This episode is meant to shed some light on a conversation that some women in the Caribbean are not having, or maybe they just don't feel comfortable enough to share their true feelings on. And it's about choice, I think, um, to have children or circumstances which result in not having any. So I am hopeful that today um, enlightens us on misconceptions and biases, which can sometimes lead to unintentional offensive statements and isolation. So I want to welcome my three amazing women this morning or this evening, whenever you're listening. And um, yeah, so we're going to start. So I know I read my intro before, but I just want to just say a, like a general intro to everyone. Okay. So we have Lani Daisley. So hi, Lani. Hi. All right. And then there's Lani. <laughs> and then we have Dr. John Eves Remy. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Good. And then we have Chantal LaRoche coming in. in. (laughs) Great. So today we're going to start off. We know that um, a lot of times 
I think we can all agree that experience is the best teacher and it helps mold us and to become the person that we are today. So it's with that groundwork and that footing, I wanna start the conversation by understanding a couple of things. But the first one is, what does being a woman mean to you? So I'm gonna go go to every person because I really wanna hear from each of you. What does being a woman mean? So I'll start with my country woman. So I'll start with Chantal, go ahead. Of course, you had to start me off with the hardest <laughs> question of all, right? Um, I think it's going to be easier for me to say what a woman um, is not uh, okay. for me. And a woman is not, you know, those uh, those terms that we love to use, like help me. Um, mm-hmm. For me personally, uh, that's not what a woman is for me. Um, mm-hmm. And what I am as a woman changes depending on the circumstances or where I'm at. Um, sometimes for me, being a woman is being a bit masculine at the office, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but being softer or more feminine in a relationship setting. Um, and sometimes being a woman for me means being the decision maker, the breadwinner, which typically is seen as a masculine role. But um, mm-hmm. my life that I've chosen, sometimes I, I am not always the woman. Sometimes I have to be the man that comes and supervises a project or says, can I get this uh, cupboard built cheaper? Or what material is this? And so uh, for me, be what a woman is for me in my life uh, is not what the stereotypical answer I think mm-hmm. would be if you asked anyone else uh, what it feels like to be a woman. Sometimes it feels feminine and soft, um, but many times it does not for me. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And let's go to Janice. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm aware of the fact that we're having this conversation in the context of motherhood because that's the mm-hmm. sort of the, the the light in which you want to have this conversation. And so, yes. um, I I really desist from defining myself by reference to any gendered or necessarily sort of motherhood role. Um, okay. And, and so it's also a difficult question to ask me what it is to be a woman because I've never been a man. In a sense, it's kind of, it's not relevant really for me uh-huh. personally because uh-huh. I think Chantal said it's circumstantial. It depends on where you are. But there's so many other characteristics that come to the forefront in a particular circumstance that have nothing to do with my sex. It has nothing to do with my gender. It is uh-huh. just my personality. And I think people, I, I don't know if you guys have been exposed to this work by Simone de Beauvoir, um, Other Sex. And she spoke about the fact that we are not sort of a sum of our gender. We are people, first and foremost. I mean, I'm, I'm grossly generalizing here. But for me, again, depending on the context, I am assertive. I am, you know, a lawyer. I am a black woman. I am a woman. I am a Caribbean person. And so the circumstance in which being a woman or something else, um, mm-hmm. that becomes relevant varies depending on what's happening outside. And there's an interplay between what's happening outside and what happens inside in terms mm-hmm. of who I am. And so when I asked, answered the question, it sounded flippant to say, well, I don't define myself in one way or another as a woman, as opposed to a man, because I've never been anything else. So I am Jani. I happen to be Jani, who is a woman in certain circumstances where that's a relevant characteristic. 
but it's mm-hmm. more if I wake up and I just be who I am and I thank God that I have the possibility of being in a society and being raised in a family where being a woman or something else just hasn't always been that relevant. And I'm aware, again, that for certain people, that's all they're concocted, yeah. all that's relevant. So it's yeah. a difficult question to answer because mm-hmm. I don't know how to be anything else. Yeah. Uh, I just throw that out there. No, but, but I love that, you know, um, because at the end, especially in these times, we are not necessarily having those types of conversations either in the Caribbean. Um, and we, you know, we all just, well, let me not generalize, but a lot of us still kind of stick to our gender roles and as well as identifying as such, you know, whether we're male or female, woman or man. So, um, so it's a little controversial uh, question yes but at the same time i still wanted to just get your ideas in general about it so let's that takes me to lani lani let me hear what you have to say (laughs) so i just want to say i love being a caribbean woman um Mm. for me i feel like we have the best of every world because you know we're very um loud we can be outspoken we can be quiet we can be demure um, we can, you know, watch cricket, watch football, watch every sport. There's no, I feel in a weird way, and maybe it's more so how I was raised, um, there was never a distinction that because you're a woman, you have to do certain things. And right. because you're a man, you have to do other things. Uh, my grandmother was a very powerful woman in our family. And as much as my grandfather was the head of the family, it was understood he was the head, my grandmother was the rest of the body. So mm-hmm. there was never a situation where I ever felt that being a woman was less than anything else, that I could do everything that my grandfather did, everything that my grandmother did, and both of them were equally valid. So while I enjoy being um, expressive and sometimes emotional and able to express my emotions, I do find that um, the automatic uh, presumption is that because you're emotional, because you're expressive, that's a weakness, mm-hmm. and that's that's what society puts on me. But I don't I don't take that on really. So if I if today I decide I want to be cussing and carrying on because something hasn't been done in my office, I will cuss and carry on. The next day I might be a little more calmer and deal with it a little more professionally. But I think the beauty of being a woman and a Caribbean woman is we have this kind of range. And more so now because the conversation is coming about gender and what's really, you know, there is no expectation that only one gender can do one thing and that there's a spectrum. You can do as many things as you want to do and there's not set rules or there shouldn't be set rules. I I enjoy that and I feel like as a Caribbean woman, we have a little more to explore because we can, we can just kind of like, you know, half one day we'll be outside half naked in the street because it's Kaduman or Carnival or something. And another day we're fully dressed in a suit arguing for someone's detention, you know, overseas. So I, I enjoy the range that I have for being a woman. I feel sometimes men are restricted, especially in the Caribbean. They can't be mm-hmm. as expressive as we are. And as a woman, it's like I get the both of, best of both worlds because I can be expressive and I can be not as expressive. So yeah. But I guess sorry, Chanel. Go ahead. I like that answer, but I I I I agree that there 
it's utopian to think, or maybe it's not. Maybe the 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 variety of the sexes is, is is what makes our society what it is. But I guess for me, what's much more relevant than being cast as a woman or a man is that range, and that range is set within a within a context. But the first thing I think about when I wake up, and in many circumstances, is not that I am a woman or that I am not a man. It's that I am Janice, and I think there is a a wide spectrum of things that that is that allows me to be who I am and self actualize. And that is sometimes a gendered thing, but most times it's not. I think people get all wrapped and bent out of shape by by these labels of who we are, and that's because society puts it on 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 us. But I think oftentimes we're just an expression of who we are, and and I think that's the beauty of of the the day and the time that we're living in now, which is we can be ourselves much much yes. more than we used to be. Yes, I mean I feel like we can have a whole podcast on this topic um but it's a good segue for my next question which really is about your thoughts on motherhood so and i wonder if the expectations are also are similar you know as the ones you previously described so let's start with you chantal like what describe how what you think about when you think about mother when you hear about motherhood for yourself as it relates to you I don't think about motherhood when I think about myself. Um, and that came, I will confess, over time. Um, I, when I was in my 20s, I suppose I fell into that um, expect, societal expectation that you finish school, you are in a relationship, you get married, you have children. Like there is a there's a step-by-step, right? There yeah, the progression. Three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I as my relationship from my 20s ended and my career started, because I studied a little later and I think that impacted how I saw things as well. Um, mm-hmm. My career really started for me in my early 30s and my career was extremely demanding in its early stages. I traveled a lot. I worked sometimes uh, past midnight. There, I have worked 24 hours. And more and more I thought to myself, I can't see how I could fit a child into this lifestyle that I'm living, right? So maybe I'll put it off for later. Um, but you know, when I interact with my friends and I hear them talking about this yearning to be a mother, I do not feel it, N- not at all. Uh, up to yesterday, I-, I went to do my nails and my nail tech's daughter was there. And I mean, I could interact with children. I love other people's children, yes. but I cannot envision, I don't have that yearning, that feeling that you know that maternal instinct that people talk about it has never kicked in i have a niece and a nephew and even when they were born i i felt fine but i did not feel like you know what i can't wait uh, to be a mother i do not um motherhood and me i i don't see as being connected at, at all and uh you know when you go for your yearly checkup my gynecologist right. gives me these little hints, you know. Um, so how old are you this year? Right, right, right. And we have a boyfriend, you know, and he will say, you know, time is running out. And I'll be like, yes, yes, doc, I know. Don't worry. I'm not going to come back and change my mind. I'm pretty set where this issue is concerned. But um, when I think of motherhood, I do not think about myself at all. I, okay. I, don't, I, I don't see it for me at all. Okay. And so for either you, Lani, or Janice, 
do you have a similar sentiment or do you have a different different opinion? Yeah, I don't think there was ever a time in my life that I thought I wanted to have children. And mm -hmm. it was like for two different reasons. Like the the and I mean you're a mother, so if I'm saying this incorrectly, but to me, the physical onslaught on a body, a woman's body for a child and the birth of a child, it was never anything that I ever, I ever even thought I wanted. And, and when I hear my friends talking about it, sometimes I can't even be a part of the conversation because it's just right. like, it's too gruesome sometimes for me to even to think about. And when I was younger, I was like, okay, maybe at some point in my life, I might adopt because I might, you know, have things that I can share and the knowledge that I can impart. But as I'm getting older, I think similarly to what Chantal is saying that like, you know, my my firm is practically my child's, like I, the amount of time and attention that I put into my practice, I feel like it would be irresponsible of me to have a child that I can't give the same kind of attention to. And for those two reasons, primarily, I feel as though like, you know, I've, I don't know that I would ever decide that I wanted to have children or or decide that I wanted to adopt a child. I think a child needs to be able to develop. It needs a significant amount of attention. It's not just food and shelter. They need attention. They need like maturity and responses to questions that they have. They need, you know, someone that's patient. And I don't know that I'm necessarily that person. And I just never saw myself as someone that could be um you know a mother i love children i love taking care of other people's children and i love giving them back <laughs> that's the best part for me but yeah, <laughs> yeah never, never never a decision never a thought to be a mother right and janice yeah i mean i think i'm yeah i'm unmuted now i think my view is more nuanced um mm -hmm. i think I don't think many people around me, my good friends growing up, ever saw me in that role as a mother because I was, I've always been very goal-oriented um, in the sense of not just career, but going after things. And I think that personality trait would extend also to being a mother. So if I had made a decision at some point in my life to be a mother, I get the assault on the body, I get the pain, I get the sacrifice, but I would do it because I would have a goal to have a child. And these things to me would just, be par for the course. So the pain of having a child would be a day or two long and I would decide to have a child because that's what I wanted to do. I think the reason it's more nuanced for me is because it, it changes depending on the circumstance again. Um, I think I have an extremely close bond with my own mother. And so there's a little bit of reticence of not having that with my own physical um, biological child, not having that special bond um, yes. that comes really from motherhood to your child. I, I, I don't think many of us can deny if you have that strong relationship that it's something you would love to have as well um, with your own. Um, and so for me, that has been something that I've had to confront. Um, I have nieces and nephews, but I see them with their parents, and it's not the same thing. It's it's, it's mm -hmm. a different kind of relationship. So for me, it's sort of, it has never happened. Um, I've never been in a circumstance up to this point, and that, mm -hmm. that be in progress of changing, where I've been confronted with a situation where it was an ideal time and where I was with the right person for, and that was possible at the time. So I think if it had happened differently, and people have this 
way of of being punitive with women who don't have children as if all of us come into this and we decide dogmatically that we don't want it because we're in pursuit of a, a career. Career. Mm -hmm. That's not true. I mean, we love our careers, but if the circumstance were different, maybe we would reconsider it. It's not an either or, it's not binary. It's not because I want to have a career, I don't want to have children. It's the circumstances have never presented themselves where it was a choice I felt I wanted to make. So I think mm -hmm. people have to deal with their own demons about how, mm -hmm. and, and how they throw it on us. I think right. it's very much a personal decision as you, you mm -hmm. started off, it's a choice. I think mm -hmm. everyone is confronted with it at different phases in their life and they make a decision based on what is presented to them. So that's more of why I haven't have, had children as yet. It's something that may present itself in the future it may not but it just hasn't mm -hmm. happened up until now and just following on from that Jani, so in the context of being a caribbean woman what do you think the influence of being a caribbean woman or being born in the caribbean has had on that um situation your stance or you know your circumstances how you know have other people said stuff to you like what has yeah. been your experience Yes, yes. And I don't want to be long winded because, yes, we are all lawyers. And so we will hog the mic. <laughs> um, I think people always ask me, when are you going to settle down? Mm. And I think I'm quite settled. I, <laughs> I have a career. I have other interests. I have a lot of mm -hmm. friends. I have a wonderful family. Um, I think I'm settled. I think I think the Caribbean kind of thrusts you in this as much as I agree with Lani that it gives you a wide um, sort of spectrum and canvas on which to paint because we're colorful, vibrant women, I think there is still that pressure to conform in certain circumstances. Yeah. And when people see you doing well and being happy, I mean, the New York Times came up with an article that said, single, unmarried, childless women are the happiest demographic in the world. I, I, I can believe that. <laughs> I surrounded my friends with kids who are married, and I don't know one person that I think is happier than me. They could be equally happy, but... Mm -hmm. Yes, we all go through our ups and downs, but that's the mm -hmm. circumstance we're in. I'm not an unhappy person because I don't have a child. I think right. we thrust these kinds of stereotypes on our women mm -hmm. because we think we're missing something, whereas I'm very much half full. So I love my life. Yes, there are mm -hmm. times where sometimes I feel that maternal instinct. I do mm -hmm. sometimes, and then I, I right. try to mentor. I have nieces and nephews, so I find the other ways of making that part of me come to life. But the Caribbean does have a tendency to kind of pigeonhole you when they're ready, and I, yeah. I, I reject it. I just want yeah. to add something to what, yeah, go um, ahead. what you're saying. So she was speaking about the relationship that she has with her mother, and mm -hmm. I actually don't really have a very good relationship with my money, my mother. It's not um, it's not a bad relationship, but I do think sometimes we misunderstand each other. So there's often a, a lot of argument and dis and discord. And mm -hmm. so partially for me, um, you know, the, the thought of being able to have a good relationship with um, a child is something that I feel like you have to really spend a lot of time on and, and mm -hmm. focus on. And I feel like, you know, if you don't, if you don't do that, you're kind of like um, renewing patterns in your life that you can try to break. And it's not always so easy to break them if you don't really have a good foundation to start from. So for me, um, you know, Caribbean families, you know, oftentimes you find that, if, especially if you have both, you're both of your parents, um, you might find that you're closer to one um, person 
um, than the other person. Um, in my case, I'm not really that close with my father or my mother. I mean, I have, I, you know, I talk to them, we, we talk about things and whatnot, but whenever it gets to a point where it's like a, a serious issue, there's always going to be some kind of like, okay, you know what, I can't talk about this anymore, let's just, just walk away and whatnot. And I don't think that's necessarily healthy. And that also was a factor in my kind of coming to a decision about being a mother. So I take her point, but yeah, it's, it's a, you know, and, and just to go on with what she was saying, everybody has their own experiences. And yes, in the Caribbean, it's very much like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have a child? When are you going to do this and stay home, basically? There's not really an expectation that women are going to be professionals or earning for themselves or anything like that. It's always expected that it's going to be um, the man that is the breadwinner. And interestingly enough, when I was in law school, we were a class of like 20 students and there were three men and 17 women. And it's been that way now. If you look at the profession in Barbados, the majority of the lawyers coming out are women. Very few are men. But the expectation is that the women are not going to work anymore. They're going to get married, have children, and stay home, and the husbands are going to go out and work. I don't know how how that's really going to work when you're looking at the statistics of what's happening and all of the women who are coming out with the degrees. And even if they aren't coming out with, de with degrees, they're staying home, they're becoming entrepreneurs. The Small Business Association in Barbados, most of the businesses were run by women. Most of the businesses were championed by a woman and um, she employed other women. There were very few instances where the men were really like, you know, business owners or um, managing uh, a large enterprise or something like that. And it's an interesting statistic because the expectation is women are going to stay home, but stay home and do what? <laughs> like, there's not, not anything for them to stay home and do other than minding children. And I don't think that every child, every mother necessarily wants to do that. There, there are women who I think are superheroes who have children and are still managing their own businesses, managing their own profession and doing it admirably. I don't know that I could do that, but they are doing it. But it's interesting with the way the Caribbean is set up, that it's not a necessarily equal, dis, um, equal amount of people who are going to school and learning trades and being able to, to work. So it's just an interesting um, perspective, I think, from the Caribbean. Because we're all, you think about the classes at UE particularly, they're all, most of them are dominated by women. Well, let me pull in Janice and Chantal, I'm gonna come to you, don't worry. Yes. But let me pull in Janice specifically because I know you're a director at um, an institution. So I would love to hear if you've experienced something similar in terms of the intake of students that you get, male, female, you know, just your brief perspective on that. I know yeah, we're digressing. <laughs> yeah, it's dominated. And that is a true statistic, a statistic, and at Cape more generally across the, whether it's SciTech or it's law or anywhere else, it's dominated by women. That's a fact. Um, and even mm -hmm. the small businesses, not just the, the the fact that they own them, but they're also the ones who want to move forward in terms of their learning and in terms of enhancing their skill sets. So there is a Caribbean woman, and I think that's worldwide, yeah? Um, that's in Asia Pacific, because that's the work I do. That's all over the world. Right. That demographic of women 
really um, seeking their economic empowerment is something that we see generally. And yes, most of them, most of the women I know do have children. So they're balancing that out with many other responsibilities and they get my complete kudos. Even the many of the people I work with, they have children and it's always that balance. And I think to myself, they are the ones who are deserving of the praise, not those of us who ascend, you know, all of the ladders um, corporate wise or, or also institutional wise. Yes, we move forward, but we're doing a different type of balancing act. And these women don't have an option but to take care of their children 24 seven and work really right. hard. So I think, you know, the, the, the way that the whole thing is set up is is that they, they deserve a lot of the, the credit. But those of us who don't choose that lifestyle or cannot have that lifestyle, or there are a lot of women who can't have children. Um, um, you know, it's 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 something else to be um, to, to 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 be congratulated for. So I, I just think it just yeah I, I I just shun any kind of these stereotypes of of who is doing better, who is doing worse. Like we're all balancing different things. Right. And the fact that I don't have to balance children. Doesn't make me less than. Right. I think that's that's perfectly said. And I want to just say to Lani, thank you for being so vulnerable with us about your personal you know, relationships, um, because, yeah, I don't want it to be thought that we're all coming from the perfect backgrounds either, you know, and we're representing the whole region, which is made up of people going through different things with different relationships. So thank you for just opening up about that. And so Chantal, I'm going to talk to bring it to you now. And I want you to talk to me about your choice to not have children. What kind of impact has it had on relationships? So we're talking romantic relationships, friendships, I mean, you're not married, but, you know, any type of relationship. Talk to me about that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I don't think it's had a a very um, big impact Um, Mm relationship-wise, mostly because I um, have stayed single for most of my 30s. I was in a very long-term relationship in my 20s. It's something that um, we discussed, but not very seriously at the time. Um, but since mm-hmm. then, I am very clear early on if I'm dating somebody that um, it's not really an interest of mine, but maybe the right person could convince me otherwise. Um, right. So in terms of relationships, I'm very clear early on that it's not something I, I don't feel unfulfilled um, with our children. And if I get serious with someone and they want children, um, it's not necessarily something that I'm, I'm open to pursuing very seriously. Um, in terms of my friendships, we are all very open in discussing it at this age because, of course, that biological clock is ticking and people make comments in conversation, you know. So when are you going to have children? And if I say never, you get this look of almost sadness, like, are you sure? Have you thought about it? Right. Change your mind? Is it because you're single? Right. So friends mm-hmm. will bring it up. Um, and they almost sound disappointed that I am more or less resolute that it's not something that I'm very interested in. Um, mm-hmm. Family is interesting. Um, Surprise that my mother places zero pressure on me in relation to children, none. That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And it has, it has never, which I suppose, it kind of surprises me because I know she wants grandchildren. So if someone else asks her, she will say, you know, I don't know when again grandchildren from this one because my brother has had children already and he's younger than I am. But she has not once 
ask me, said to me, when is it going to happen? I get more of the pressure from other family members who will say, right. oh, you're getting older, you're almost mm-hmm. 40, right? So mm-hmm. other family members will make comments. And of course, because of my personality, they say it very gingerly because they know I'm snapping back with <laughs> So who going to take care of the child when I make this child? Or right. <laughs> who, who babysitting? Who paying for this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my mom has never once placed that pressure on me. And I think that kind of helped me to be okay with my right. decision that uh, it, mm-hmm. I, I'm not really interested. She never really made me feel like, you know, I was less of a human or a woman because I am not bringing these grandchildren home to her. So... Um, and did it take, take, oh, sorry. Did it take some of the weight off of your shoulders and maybe were you afraid of disappointing her in any way? Do you think? No, that's the thing. I I never even felt that, um, feeling that, you know, I I know she may be disappointed or she's looking for, I, I, I never felt that, um, and so, yeah, I I think it's just been a natural part of who I am. I, I'm just Chantal that is not interested in children and my mother is really okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. And in everything in my life, I suppose, even with school, because I started school later, she never expressed disappointment or when you're going to start this. Right. So she's always allowed me to be myself. And I mm. suppose that relationship, even though uh, what uh, Jan described, that closeness, we're not that close. Huh? We, are, we are actually more like Lani, um, Lani described. <laughs> But I, I think she just allowed me to evolve into me. And mm-hmm. that, I think, really helps me to not feel pressure or, you know, feel as if I'm disappointing or, you know, letting her down mm-hmm. if I don't have children. Plus, she has, she has grandchildren already, so she'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamishop.com, that's the A-M-A-I shop.com, for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd be grateful if you could leave a review about what you're loving on this podcast, and be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes.